Where does it go? Where does it go? All of that cast off junk, where does it go? Welcome to Where Does It Go, a podcast about stuff. I'm Emily. And I'm Sarah. And before we get started, I've got a few corrections. We were considering calling this the information upcycling section of our podcast. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the first correction is, has to do with our Chernobyl episode, uh, where I stated that the Fukushima nuclear disaster with the tsunami was worse than Chernobyl. There were more reactor meltdowns than there were in Chernobyl. There were at least three in Fukushima and there was only one in Chernobyl. However, due to improved safety regulations and construction and sort of action by staff, people taking action quickly, there was significantly less radiation released. So it was actually a smaller disaster than Chernobyl in terms of impact. Wanted to clarify that. Good job, Japan. Yeah, for real. Thank you. Because it would have gotten really, really bad had it been as bad as it could have been. So thank you. And then the second thing is at around 3 a.m., I don't know, a few days ago or something, (laughs) my husband works nights voluntarily. He's a software developer. That's just how he operates. And so sometimes I'll be awake having taken care of our kid. And he mentioned that it has been somewhat recently discovered that all matter is operates as a wave and a particle, not just light. So I figured I'd mention that since he mentioned that. I haven't reviewed that at all. I just, you know. Just in case. Yeah. In case that's correct. (laughs) (laughs) And if it's not, I can blame Nick. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) I'll go ahead and go first today. And I'm talking about a subject that is the second highest source of litter in the world. Do you know what it is, Sarah? Food. It is a type of food. Sort of. (laughs) I don't know. Chewing gum. Ew. (laughs) where does chewing gum go i don't know that i'm ever gonna chew gum again after researching this chewing gum is and i i think i knew all this i just didn't put it all together in my head so typical chewing gum ingredients are a gum base softeners sweeteners flavorings and colorants A gum base is something that is chewy or rubbery. Gummy, in fact. It can be actual rubber, like natural latex. It can be... You can purchase sometimes uh, actual chicle, which is a a type of tree sap, which was the basis of the name for things like chiclets. Oh, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Or... Artificial gum base, which can include, let's see if I, I did make a list, paraffin, petroleum waxes, butadiene, styrene, vinyl acetate, or polyethylene. What? Which sounds like paint ingredients to me. right. So you got either natural or artificial or both in terms of the gum base. 
You've also got softeners like glycerin or vegetable oil, sweeteners, sugar, corn syrup, xylitol, aspartame. So you've got naturally occurring or artificially manufactured. Flavorings can include essential oils, but they can also include synthetic flavors. And then depending on whether the flavor of gum is an acidic flavor, like say your watermelon bubble yum, (laughs) or more of a basic-ish flavor, I think of mints as a more basic flavor, you will have fillers of either calcium carbonate or talc. Not nece- It's not mandatory to have fillers, but most gums have fillers. And then colorants include different food dyes and also things like titanium dioxide. So, which is not uncommon in f- white foods, oh, like yeah, white manufactured true. foods. It is a legally allowed food colorant. But the titanium dioxide will come into play in terms of where gum goes. So let me double check. Oh, there are sometimes fats and antioxidants for texture and longevity. Synthetic gum polymers don't biodegrade with any kind of speed. They're essentially types of plastics. Natural gum polymers can biodegrade and they can be partially digested some of the time. So if it's something like a chicle or a resin, you may be able to partially digest it or beeswax, say. But for the most part, gums don't biodegrade and they don't get digested. So wait, my grandma was right when she said that not to swallow my gum because I can't digest it. Uh, don't, in a way, it passed, <laughs> it passed right through your system. So it didn't get stuck in your stomach for seven years. Okay, that's what she always told me, that I was going to have this giant gumball in my stomach. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I will say if you ate like an entire gumball machine's worth of gum, you could get a wad of gum a stuck blockage. in your stomach. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can get an intestinal blockage from a lot of things. <laughs> but a single piece of gum or even a couple pieces of gum is typically going to pass right through you. You may digest some of the additives as well some of the fats and things like that, but a lot of it you're not going to digest. It either passes through your body, if you've swallowed it, and goes into the sewer system. Yay. And then it becomes part of the water cycle. Or you spit it out, and you either put it into paper, as you should, please throw away your gum, (laughs) put it into paper or something and throw it away, or you spit it on the sidewalk or the road or wherever. A lot of people do this. So where does it go once you have spit it out? I'm, I'm not Sarah specifically, but someone spitting it I out. Hate, I hate gum. I think it's a tease. I can't stand it. <laughs> You're not supposed to swallow it, and it's food. It drives me crazy. I hate it. <laughs> well, so I don't chew gum. <laughs> I'm, I'm never going to chew gum again. So, And I always swallowed it, and it's because... So we would be allowed to have gum in church... Oh, yeah. But we couldn't take communion with anything in our mouths. So we'd either have to swallow it or figure out a way to spit it out. And it was easier to just swallow it at some point during mass. Yes. Okay. This is this line of thinking is familiar to me as well. (laughs) So I don't I mean, I will spit out gum some of the time, but I don't throw it away. I throw it away. So where does it go? 
it hangs out forever. It's like spitting out a chewed up piece of plastic bag. <laughs> it really is like a mint flavored Ziploc. Like it's just. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I mean, and you can get natural gums that do take time to biodegrade. I don't know how many oak leaf. Uh, oak leaf. Oak leaf lifespans of biodegrade, <laughs> biodegrading it takes. But it's probably more than one. And if you don't understand what I'm talking about, that's referenced in the helium balloon episode <laughs> where they compare helium balloon, latex balloon degradation to oak leaf degradation, which was such a strange metric, but we're going to keep using it. It's our new metric. Yeah. So several oak leaves for naturally, uh, naturally occurring gums and resins and all the oak leaves for synthetic ones. Gum looks like food to a lot of things, to toddlers to birds to the will ferrell character in elf buddy the elf to all sort like little squirrels everything and it's not food it's not digestible and it's also a choking hazard and a blockage hazard so depending on the animal and what their digestive system is like it can actually make them pretty sick it's also covered in saliva and saliva <laughs> is not sanitary Unless it's been, I don't know, pasteurized. Unless it comes from a robot. Yeah, that's true. Robot spit's probably pretty sanitary. (laughs) (laughs) These little balls of plastic covered in saliva and tooth germs and everything are all over the sidewalks, all over, you know, benches, the bottoms of school desks, (laughs) all over roads, everywhere. So they're vectors for disease. They're not like a serious vector for disease where we're getting CDC announcements for it, but it is a public health hazard. And so we'll talk about, so gum basically doesn't go anywhere. So what do municipalities do when there's gum all over the sidewalks or all over the roads or all over railings or wherever people put their gum? So when gum is cleaned off of a sidewalk or wherever, it's usually steamed off, but there may be chemicals involved in removing the gum. That steam adds water to the water cycle. Not that big a deal. But any chemicals that are used tend to be either washed into storm drains or removed to landfills where they become part of the landfill leachate. And it's another chemical for landfill operators to deal with. And then there's how much gum is produced. It's approximated that there's around 650,000 metric tons. What? And a metric ton is a little over 2,000 pounds. Mm -hmm. It's like 2,100 pounds of gum produced a year, give or take. And most of it has synthetic gum base. Where does it all go? It just hangs out. (laughs) It just hangs out on the street and in the birds' bellies. Oh, no. I'm sure it's pretty appealing looking to fish, too. In 2012, here's sort of a good example of a major metropolitan area and gum volume and exposure. So in 2012, in London, for the Olympics, they took three months to steam two miles of street to remove gum. What? And they removed around 300,000 pieces of gum. Oh, gosh. And it took between, in terms of municipal costs, between 16 cents and $3 per piece of gum to remove because of the, you know, expense of the Mm -hmm. project. And they're probably taking into account some of the traffic diversion as well. 
Oh, and I had mentioned titanium dioxide mm-hmm. and how it would come into play. That's a sunscreen. It yeah. blocks UV rays. <laughs> so it increases the longevity of a gum because it blocks a higher wavelength of radiation. Ultraviolet radiation is a higher wavelength than visible light. And it's more helpful in breaking things down because it's got more energy. So it destabilizes things more readily. But because a lot of gum has titanium dioxide as a colorant, it's blocking, to some extent, UV radiation. So gum kind of protects itself. It's like crazy plastic virus. (laughs) (laughs) This is a sci-fi story waiting to happen. Yeah. Just the takeover of gum. (laughs) Or the little germ community that lives in a wad of gum on the streets of New York. I don't know why New York. Why not New York? Becoming a superpower or something. (laughs) (laughs) Chewing gum has actually been banned since 1992 in Singapore. You can have therapeutic gum, such as for dry mouth or for smoking cessation. But otherwise, you're not allowed to chew gum in Singapore. You're not allowed to do much in Singapore, honestly. That's true, yeah. Tourists can bring two packs of gum maximum into Singapore... So they check for gum. <laughs> and if you have more than two packs, it's assumed that you're trying to smuggle chewing gum in. So it's something that, and I am sure there are varying municipality rules and regulations about chewing gum, but it's something I haven't seen talked about a ton in my time other than, oh, it'll stay in your stomach for seven years. Don't swallow it. <laughs> and it's like, well, it won't stay in your stomach for seven years. It will pass through your system and go into the sewer system and into the water cycle. But it doesn't really go away. So our alternatives to gum, uh, you could chew toothpicks, the little minty toothpicks, but you can get splinters in your gums, so, gums, so that's not necessarily the best option. And then there are mints. And that's, I don't know, that's all I can really think of. Smoking, I guess, technically. <laughs> it's, it's an alternative to chewing Give gum. Give up gum. Start smoking. <laughs> I'm not endorsing smoking, just to be clear. <laughs> It was awesome you said it, though. (laughs) It's kind of like how hydrogen is an alternative to helium. Yeah. It's not a good option. It's not the best option, and it's not an an improvement. (laughs) But it's it's technically accurate. (laughs) So chewing gum basically lasts forever, and it goes into the bellies of all sorts of little critters that are cute and don't need to be eating it, and... It's pretty gnarly. <laughs> I, I My grandma was really smart, and I'm pretty sure she knew that it was gonna, not going to stay in my stomach for seven years. Uh, I just think she really didn't like chewing gum, and that's what she told me, and it worked. Like I, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have this huge chewing gum blockage in my s- stomach. So it worked, and now I don't like chewing gum either. So worked, Grandma. Thanks. <laughs> and now I don't like chewing gum either. <laughs> I did not expect to be unwilling to chew gum ever again after after doing this research. I was like, where does gum go? Oh, you digested some of it, and then it breaks down in the sun. It's like, no, it does neither of those things. (laughs) It does not. (laughs) So I'm going to talk about where did the Chuck E. Cheese animatronics go? Oh, my God. So this is thanks to Shaw's cousin, Christy. She and I were having a conversation and she's like, where did they go? And I'm like, I I don't know. I need to figure this out. So we're going to go back to 2017. 
Chuck E. Cheese restaurants made an announcement that they're revamping again the inside of their restaurants. So they'll be changing their menus again and offering more self-serve kiosks for food and more up-to-date stuff for kids and kind of phasing out the Chuck E. Cheese animatronics. So the Chuck E. Cheese animatronics have slowly, um, they had a whole cast of characters. There was like a cabaret show and guest stars and we'll get into Rock of Fire Explosion. What? (laughs) (laughs) But they, they, this, there's an interesting history behind the Chuck E. Cheese animatronics. So we're in 2017. They've talked about revamping the restaurants. The animatronics are now YouTube videos of being scary because parts of them are falling off and they're scaring the kids and kids don't pay attention to them anymore because they have better toys handheld. So, 2017, we're going to go all the way back to 1974. So get your your button collars with the wide lapels out and your skin. Was it short skinny ties or was it wide tie? I, I think it was wide ties to go with those big wing collars. Yes. Yes. So we're going to get those out. We're in 1974. Nolan Bushnell, the co-founder of Atari, goes to the IAAPA conference, which is amusement parks conference. Just because he likes amusement parks. He just likes to do that. <laughs> and he buys what he thinks is a mascot coyote costume, which turns out to be a rodent. He names it Rick the Rat, and he decides that he really wants to open a pizza arcade place. <laughs> so people decide that they don't really like the thought of a rat for a pizza place. <laughs> I'm sorry. And so he later became Chuck E. Cheese. A mouse is better? Yeah. Apparently a mouse is better. (laughs) Okay. So Chuck E. Cheese's Pizza Time Theater opened in 1977. Chuck E. Cheese's Pizza Time Theater. So Nolan Bushnell, uh, again, who is a founder of uh, co-founder of Atari, he it, Atari viewed the pizza arcade restaurant as a place that Atari could have games in the restaurant and they wouldn't have to deal with middlemen of individual pizza chains. Plus, uh, Bushnell really loved Disney World and he wanted to work at Disney World, but I, apparently he never got the chance. And he wanted to capture some of that Disney World fire. So Showbiz Pizza, who was around approximately at the same time, was the main competitor, but in 1984, they merged and became Showbiz Pizza Time, Inc., but they remained independent restaurants for a few years. The merger was a plan to save both restaurants because of the video game crash in the 80s, and both of them were doing worse. And Rock of Fire Explosion, which we'll get into, was Showbiz Pizza's band and was changed to over to Munch's Make Believe Band, which is the Chuck E. Cheese house band in 1990. So you had a Rock of Fire explosion that was basically moved over to Munch's Make Believe Band. And then the company and restaurant, so it was Showbiz Pizza and Chuck E. Cheese Pizza Time, they were both merged together and unified as Chuck E. Cheese's Pizza in 91, 92, and then just Chuck E. Cheese in 1995. The original Pizza Time theaters featured Chuck E. Cheese characters in portraits on the wall, and they would perform at certain times during the day. There was, a, like I said, a, cabaret, a main stage, a cabaret stage, and there's a bunch of, like, a crazy cast of characters that have been randomly retired. Rock of Fire Explosion, like I said, was in Showbiz Pizza, and we'll 
kind of understand how they came together. A very strange, sad story. So we have to meet Aaron Fector. He's the car- the creator of Rock Fire Explosion and the founder of Creative Engineering, which is in Orlando, Florida. He In 1973, he graduated college and decided to build a high gas mileage car. And to raise money, he invented a pool cleaning robot uh, called the Leaf Eater. So he's going door to door trying to sell his pool cleaning robot. And at the time, he also invented the whack-a-mole game. So this is this is important because it gets into like the the guy that basically invented all the animatronics. So Aaron Fector invented all the animatronics, and because he was uh, approached by a guy who wanted him to, because he saw the the pool cleaning robot and whack a mole, apparently someone wanted him to make a control system for a shooting gallery that included an animatronic horse. Well, oh. <laughs> So that led him to eventually start building control units for more animatronics. Um, he then made the Wolfpack 5, which is his first band of animatronics. And then he is approached by Showbiz Pizza to build all the bands. Um, and he started building 40 bands a quarter at a cost of $90,000 each. 40 bands a quarter? For $90,000. And that's 1990s $90,000, right? That is 1980s $90,000. So it's like $2 million or something these days. Holy bananas. (laughs) Right? So let's get into Rock of Fire Explosion and their characters because there is a huge following and kind of a... People get a little salty about how Rock of Fire Explosion disappeared and became... Chucky and were kind of erased by Chuck E. Cheese's band because of the the uh, merger. So Rock of Fire Explosions band is Fats, the gorilla keyboardist, Beach Bear, who played the guitar, Duke LaRue was the drummer. He's a dog. Billy Bob was a brown dip bear and he played the banjo and he also worked at Smitty's service station um and at smitty service station there was also looney bird who drank all the oil who is kind of like a drunk character why this was and then rolf the wolf who was vocals and comedy earl schmurl which was a hand puppet played by rolf the wolf so this is very strange to me so it was an animatronic wolf rolf the wolf who had a puppet on his hand called Earl the Schmurl, Mitzi Mozzarella, who is a mouse that looked amazingly like Chuck E. Cheese. Wow. And then Choo Choo. And there was, there was a more cast of characters that seemed like, like I couldn't really keep track of all of them. It seemed like they, they came and went. But this was a main cast of characters. And then we will get into Chuck E. Cheese's main band, and then his guests are so Chuck E. Cheese's band called Munch's Make Believe Band. The main members uh, are Chuck E. Cheese, obviously. Chuck E. Cheese's full name is Charles Entertainment Cheese. Helen Henney, the chicken. Jasper Jowls, the hand do- hound dog who plays guitar. Mr. Munch of Munch's Make Believe Band, who does the keyboard. 
Pasquale, the human chef, who did vocals and drums. And then there's more. There's the Warblets, and the Warblets were crows that were retired and then brought back and then retired again. Krusty the cat. Ew. Who was... He was the first one to be replaced because, really, pizza chain Krusty the Cat? Really? The Mopsy Sisters and Munch Jr. The guest stars are Madame Oink, who is a pig, obviously, Foxy Colleen, Sally Sachet, and Harmony Howlett. And then the cabaret stage, which is, um, they were removed in the late 80s. There are the Beagles... The Beach Bowsers, The King, and The King has a very strange online following. And then King Cat, who is a Michael Jackson-like cat, and The King was a lion who was like Elvis. So you, you have these huge cast of characters, and as I've explained in the 80s, well, in the 90s, the, the two were kind of merged into one, so after the showbiz pizza merger and the Rock of Fire explosion suits, yes, there were suits, the rights issues, the former Rock of, Rock of Fire explosion members were skinned and recostumed as approved members of the band. Basically, they took the animatronics underneath and then made them into what the pizza chain had rights to because Fector did not want to give rights to all his characters. He wanted Rock of Fire Explosion to have a life beyond showbiz pizza. So that meant because he wanted to have creative control of them. So they basically died there because that's what happened. The showbiz pizza, or I'm sorry, Chuck E. Cheese's, it's kind of hard for me to keep them straight. Chuck E. Cheese's didn't have rights to it, so they basically got rid of all the Rock of Fire um, Explosion characters and skin them and now they are living on in some of the Chuck E. Cheeses. But that doesn't explain where the, all the other characters went and I'm sure there are, since there are more characters in Munch's make-believe, they didn't all go over to Chuck E. Cheeses. So where did they go? So sometimes they show up on eBay. Yikes. They show up on auctions. Haunted. And a lot of them, unfortunately, were probably thrown out. I saw a video that explained how to skin the character, get rid of, basically throw out all the background stuffs and change them over to um, the other band members to basically change them out. But there are fans out there who are actually absolutely gaga over these. And there, there's a guy who is featured in a documentary about Rock Fire Explosion. His name is Chris, Chris Thrash. He has a, a warehouse. It's kind of like a shed of old animatronics. And he has programmed them to do new songs and different songs, including popular modern songs right now. He has over a million views on his YouTube channel. So he's part of the huge Rock of Fire Explosion community around Rock of Fire Explosion. There are other people out there who have gotten Rock of Fire Explosion members and old Chuck E. Cheese members on going out of business sales and auctions. And people collect them, honestly. It's extremely interesting. So you should check it out. Maybe you can find, if you really want old animatronics, you might be able to find them. That's where they went. They're being auctioned. Aaron Fector actually... He's still an interesting guy. He is still inventing. He still has a warehouse. He had 
at the time of the documentary, one rock fire explosion ban left. He said that he still sells them to people and he had one left. So he was thinking that it was probably going to go probably to a collector. And Fector now has a Five Nights at Freddy's haunted animatronics warehouse birthday parties in his warehouse. I was hoping that Five Nights at Freddy's would be mentioned. We have to mention Five Nights at Freddy's. So Five Nights at Freddy's, the characters are based off of both Rock of Fire Explosion and Chuck E. Cheese. And they are haunted characters that in this warehouse. And I think in the game you have to go through the warehouse and it's basically a horror game. Yeah, it's well, it's you're a it, it evolves. There's like six or seven games. Yeah. But in the first, we'll go with the first game. Yeah. And the main premise is you're a new security guard for overnights and you have nice. to make it five nights and the animatronics are moving <laughs> and you have to prevent them from getting into your security office. <laughs> but you only have so much control over which door is open when and stuff like that. It's you can see a lot of like let's play on YouTube of people playing along to five nights at Freddy's. It's pretty unnerving. Yeah. It looks pretty unnerving. And if I am ever down in Orlando and have extra time, I really want to go to his warehouse. Apparently he'll just take you down there and you can tour it. And from the YouTube video, it's pretty creepy. There's like old plaster masks and old like skinned animatronics in there. And he still does. He has YouTube videos of him doing new songs. So he he's still doing it. He still has fun and he still invents stuff. He invented whack-a-mole and that's still around. So so look out on eBay if you want some old animatronics. I have a pronounced fear of mascots. <laughs> And costumed characters and animatronics kind of fit into that. So this was riveting. (laughs) (laughs) And I kind of want to go to that Orlando warehouse and visit that guy just to uh, have a little exposure therapy because I'm sick at the thought of being in that building. Oh, wow. But it's silly because they're not haunted. They're not alive. Not as far as we know. And if they are, they're with someone who loves them because he obviously loves them dearly. Yeah. So at the time uh, when in the heyday, he had like 200 employees making these mm-hmm. making these animatronics. So it was kind of a big deal at the time. And then the video game crash of the 80s, of the early 80s, the pizza time and showbiz pizza were trying to figure out where they were spending money. And I guess they figured out $90,000 per band was kind of a lot of money. So they cut down. That was amazing. (laughs) Thank you, Christy, for the idea. And I hope you listen and enjoy where they went. (laughs) Oh, man. Let's go to Orlando. Yeah. It seems like all the interesting sort of warehouses of stuff are in Georgia, Florida, Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. I think we just need to go down there and find weird warehouses. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll go on a road trip. Yeah. We got to stop at Unclaimed Baggage first. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, so Unclaimed Baggage is in Alabama. Yeah, it's on the way. The Postal Service one is in Georgia, right? Yeah. And then Orlando. It's in Atlanta, actually. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll do a road trip. That sounds awesome. (laughs) Maybe we'll buy an old bus and do a road trip. (laughs) Where does it go on the road? (laughs) Bring our families. (laughs) Why not? Shotzi will like it. 
only Shotzi would like. <laughs> you and me and Shotzi would be happy. <laughs> well, I think Anna would like it. Anna would have fun. So maybe we should just be us. <laughs> <laughs> Our husbands wouldn't care for it, I'm guessing. I don't know. I think Shaw would enjoy it. He likes adventures. They could fly and meet us. There, there you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. They'll fly and meet us wherever we're going. <laughs> we have to pick them up in the giant bus. I just imagine us trying to pick them in, pick them up in the Atlanta, Georgia airport in this giant bus. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> So I found a bus on an NC State auctions website and I sent it to Emily and and she was she said, oh, we have painted so many colors. I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's already white. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to worry about clashing with yellow. Exactly. And there were, the bids were so low on it. I was like, what's wrong with this bus? We could fill water balloons with glitter paint and just throw them out. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a reuse warehouse, reuse warehouse, reuse project. <laughs> I had one. Oh, wait, I do. Oh, go ahead. I do. Okay, so uh, old drawers. Mm. Old drawers from old uh, dra- uh, dressers or desks. I've been pinning this like crazy in uh, Pinterest. So visit our Pinterest because I've been putting it in there. And you can make little curio cabinets or you can make little wall hangings to put your junk in. Or you can make underbed rolling rolling drawer things to put your put your linens and stuff in and roll it under your bed. They're so cool. It's like, oh, what a good idea with a messed up dresser. But the drawers are still nice. And then you can paint them and put casters on them or hammer them together and make curio cabinet. That's genius. Yeah, I know. I love it. I'm going to do the underbed thing. Yeah, it's a good idea. Because we've got so many flipping linens that we don't, mm-hmm. we use like once a month. Exactly. Or whatever for the guest bed. Mm-hmm. And old drawers are a dime a dozen. You know, you can get them from old dressers that you can buy for like a dollar and then use the dresser for firewood because it's all doorn up and then <laughs> take the drawer out, I guess. Or even like the little side tables and stuff like that that have drawers in them yes i saw plant carts actually made out of old drawers too Mm. there was like tiered tiered tables where you have drawer then legs and drawer those looked really cool there are so many ideas for old drawers oh a little drinks cart exactly yeah especially because i hate the drinks carts don't tend to have sides because i'm very clumsy (laughs) (laughs) awesome all right Oh, visit our website, where does it podcast.com or where does it.com. We're both. Visit us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. Oh, we have a Tumblr that we Woo! update infrequently. So <laughs> feel free to visit us there. You can find all of our social links on where does it podcast.com. <laughs>